Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you uh, on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Sorry, you caught me uh, mid my last bite of oatmeal. So delighted to have you along here. Busy day, crazy weekend, so much going on. We're right in the middle of my my uh, postseason awards ballot. Uh, my I am an MVP. Uh, excuse me, I'm an NBA postseason awards uh, voter. This is my second year in that uh, role. Uh, since I started hosting the NBA shows here. And I really love having the chance to vote. I love the league. I, I take it very, very seriously. And as I've mentioned, and I'll set it up again for those of you who are just joining us here at the top of a new hour, that I have something of a conundrum. But I just thought of something else because I just heard Doug Brown mentioning the uh, postseason, excuse me, the play-in games which are set up. Let me ask you guys a question you might not be expecting me to ask. There are four players who to me are locks to be first-team All-NBA, despite my conundrum here with Jokic. And I'll explain that for for those of you just joining us in a moment. But if we were just doing this by the five best players in the NBA, then to me, four of them are easy, in no order. Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, and Tatum. Those four guys are clearly first-team NBA. Does anyone disagree? Hembo, I mean, even... Is there anyone you could even make an argument for ahead of any of the four of them? No, not, a, not ahead of those four. Right. I mean, the positions we can quibble over, and that's what we've been talking about, because they will let me vote for Jokic as a forward, and that complicates the matter. But I'll come back to that. The fifth spot, I was debating between two people. Now, I filled out my ballot the other day, but I'm not hitting send. I, I, I wanted to wait until it ended. And the way it ended... The Mavericks missed the play-in, and the Thunder got there. I am currently planning on voting for Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the second team and Luka Doncic on the first team. I think Luka Doncic is one of the five best players in the NBA, and my inclination is to vote for him as a first-team All-NBA player. I don't know how much attention people have played to the, paid to the season Shea Gilgis-Alexander has had because the Thunder are not a team of which anything was expected. And, and unless they're really spectacular, they don't get very much, if any, attention on the national scene. They quietly had a very good year considering what their expectations were. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander had an unbelievable year, up to and including the fact that on Hembo's trivia question today on Get Up. He pointed out that Shea Gilgis-Alexander had more 30-point games this year than anyone in the league. He was first, and Luka was second. Should I give any consideration to putting Shea Gilgis? He's on my second team. Should I consider putting him on the first team instead of Luka based on the way that all ended? You definitely should consider it. This kid just averaged 31 points on 51% shooting for a team we thought coming into the season without Chet Holmgren, their superstar pick out of Gonzaga that didn't play a minute. Right? This team was going to be tanking for Victor Wimignon. Like, that's what we all thought. This team's in the play-in. He, he, they don't even have a center. He had an unbelievably great season for a team for whom we had no expectations. Juxtapose that with the fact that the Mavericks not only limped to the finish line, but Luka Doncic plays defense so badly that it's almost embarrassing to watch on TV. And the body language stuff, like, all, doesn't look in shape right now to me. Like, there's a lot, there are a lot of things about Luka this year that didn't sit uh, right with me. If you want to say penalize him and put him on your second team All-NBA in favor of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, you could definitely justify it. Definitely could justify that decision. Bubba, I mean, I, I don't want to vote for a player on reputation, right? So Luca reputationally is, is what he is. And, I, and, and I, so I don't, I, but I don't want that to be the reason. Mm-mm. 
I'm really thinking about this now. Bubba, could I consider taking Luca off my first team, putting him on the second team, and putting Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the first team? Yeah, I think you got to go SGA based on what Hembo just said, What how how good he's been, what he's done for his team, the limits the team has. I mean, he's carried the team. And like, yeah, like you just said, the trivia question today, he's been unbelievable. And I think not only do you have to consider, I think you have to do it. He's led a team that overachieved like crazy, and Luca leads a team that underachieved like crazy. SGA was so good this year that they couldn't tank like they wanted to, right? Whereas in, in Dallas's case, they went all in at the trade deadline for Kyrie Irving, and look where that landed them. I mean, the, the, the juxtaposition between the two, to me, at minimum, would be, would be a tiebreaker if you're close. I think a month ago, it would have been obvious Luca deserves a spot. He just had the best offensive season of his career. But there's a lot more, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. It got really ugly in Dallas, and I think he was part of the problem by the end. He's obviously a brilliant player. He doesn't play a lick of defense. I didn't, like, the way that he, like, that's not something for, that's not a situation that any great player should allow. To lose that many games in a row, to tank that badly on defense, to humiliate your organization in that manner, I wasn't into it at all. Cam, what do you think? I think keep Luka there. I mean, he still averaged like 32, 9, and 8. It's not like it's just on reputation alone. No, he's awesome. He had a I mean, great that, season. It, it like your default is just to say, sure, yeah, of course, Luca. Right. I mean, that, that's that's the easy place to go back to. Uh, but relative to, to like, to I their, didn't even think of this until the trivia question this morning. To be completely honest with you, go ahead. But let's think about their circumstances, right? Just, just for, reputation aside, everything aside, just like what happened. Which player had a better year based upon the circumstances in which they were in? Which player had a better year? Their numbers are fairly close. Their numbers are fairly close. I, I mean, I. You could make an argument SGA had a easily. better player. You easily could. have had a better year. And, well, I don't know. So, so then let me go to the rest of this here. So, all right, here are some other tough decisions that I had to make. Assuming you were all comfortable, let, let's say this. Assuming that we agree the first three guards, we've got to put six guards on this team. Uh, first team, second team, third team. And again, for those of you just joining us, I am a voter for these awards, and and I'm throwing this open to the group because I want to make sure I'm getting this right. I took a lot of time filling out this ballot. I have By the end of this day, I have to hit send, and I want to make sure I'm getting this right. Let's just say that we think the first three guards are Luca, SGA, and Jason Tatum. They allow me to vote Tatum as a guard, and I'm going to do it. He's clearly first first. Team All-NBA. Of that, there is no question. I wanted to put Giannis and Nikola Jokic and Embiid on the first team. So that's the first three. Now I've got three spots left. Are those three players, let's forget about the order for a minute, are the next three players Steph Curry, John Morant, and Damian Lillard? Because I can talk myself out of all three of them for a variety of reasons. Steph missed so many games. Lillard missed a bunch of games, and they closed it down at the end of the year. He's so good. And then John Morant obviously had that incident during the season with the gun and the video and got suspended and all of that. And I don't know if I'm supposed to, with my voting here, take that into account and, for lack of a better word, punish him for that incident. Are those the right three players or is there someone I'm forgetting? No, those are the right three players. Surprisingly, John Moran, among those three players, played the most games. So it just comes down to whether or not you want to penalize him for the, for the reason. Because he was never hurt. Yeah, he right, never got hurt. For the reason he missed those games. 
Honestly, I think the way that they shut down Damian Lillard the last two weeks in Portland was kind of embarrassing with the supposed calf injury. Look, maybe it's a real thing. It's a, it looks like a phantom thing to me. I think that John Morant was the most outstanding of those three players. Bubba, what do you think? Are those the right three guys? Who, who would I be leaving off? Yeah, I mean, they're pro- I mean, I, I, like you said, with Curry playing less than 60 games, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's tough. But it's hard. It's really hard. And they've given us the 65-game yeah, like threshold. For, for, yeah. Yeah, that's, starting next right, year. For next year, we know that's going to be the threshold, but it's not for this year. But And I couldn't think of anyone that I felt deserved it over him. Like Jalen Brown is the other one, but this will enable me to make Jalen Brown a forward, which he is not, obviously. But I'm able to put him on anyway. You're hung up on the positions a lot more than I would be. Well, just because that's what they have on here. Like, you have to vote based on that. But on the drop down, like, for example, I couldn't vote Jalen Brown as a center if I wanted right. to. Like, that they don't sense. let you do that. Right. That makes sense. It's not even a question of it. The names either appear on the drop down or not. The first thing I do is I check and see is this name here, is this name here, is this name here. Yeah. So these, those names come up there. So my, my first team would be Jokic, Giannis. Embiid, Doncic, and Tatum. You sure about Doncic? Okay, well, so again, I could change it, but this, based upon, this is what I had. My second team would be Anthony Davis, Steph, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You ready for this one? Mm. Kevin Durant. I looked at it. When he played, his teams never lost in either place, and he was playing great defense. He missed so many games that it's ridiculous, but I couldn't decide who I felt had a better season than him and then Demontis Sabonis of Sacramento, who very quietly had the best season that no one talks about at all. Yeah, Durant's teams went 34-13 and 13 in games when in he, he played. played. Now, yeah. again, if you add that up, it's less than 50 games. I get it. Right. I mean, he missed, he missed half the season, but I don't know who else to put ahead of him. Like, yeah. who am I putting ahead of him? Who, who was a better player than him that played markedly more games? Yeah. Uh, to, to me, if you played 53 or 47, the difference isn't that big. If you gave me someone who played 76 games and, and was, it, was, it, was close to him, I would listen to that. Yeah, I get it. But I don't have anybody to bump him for. I get it. Am, am I, I mean, uh, Bubba, can't, am I forgetting someone? Who should be ahead of him? Where do you have LeBron in all this? Third team. Third team. <laughs> so I have LeBron, third team, with Jalen Brown, John Morant, Dame, and Jaron Jackson Jr. And that's the complicated part of this is that I had to put Jackson there based on putting Embiid on the first team. Because you have to put someone who, who they will let you vote for as a center. I mean, I feel like you can make a case for LeBron, second, Durant, third team. You want me to put LeBron ahead of him? It's not a wor- not Especially the given what they did, that, that final push at the end there. He played, he played more games than Durant, too. How many more games did LeBron play than Durant? So, KD played 47 games. LeBron played 55 games. So, it's eight games. That, that's, that's not nothing. That's not nothing. That's not nothing. So, we like Durant to put LeBron on the second team and Durant on the third? I would have no objection with that. I, 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 I mean, you have the, the degree to which I agonize over this. I mean, folks, if you have any idea how much it bothers me <laughs> that I might get any of this slightly wrong, because it's the first time I, I've ever gotten to vote. Well, last year was, and I just love doing it, and I really want to make sure I get it right. Just because we rifle through a lot of names, I want to make sure that I didn't miss if you said Donovan Mitchell. Did you say Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell is the one who would be left out because we're putting Damian Lillard ahead of him. 
Does Donovan Mitchell belong ahead of Damian Lillard? They had a really good year, and he's the single biggest reason why. He played 68 games, averaged 28 points, scored 40 points, more times than LeBron ever did in Lillard's Cleveland. Numbers. Lillard's numbers are great. Lillard's so, numbers are out of freaking so he, control. So he averaged, he averaged, well, first of all, he only played 58 games, so 10 right. fewer than Mitchell, but he averaged 32 points a game this season. That's what season, I'm which saying. Is, and he's playing by himself. By himself. This is so hard for me to do. All right, let me pause briefly on this. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Brainstorm. What is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to all other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star shopify powers 10 percent of all e-commerce in the u.s and shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, rothy's and brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries plus shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com com slash greenie or lowercase go to shopify.com slash greenie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash greenie greenie the podcast previously on greenie we haven't had an american-born mvp since james harden that was five years ago Giannis, Giannis, Jokic, Jokic. really really cool and one of the strengths of basketball for sure did you do that on purpose you said Giannis Giannis, Jokic Jokic, it's really, really cool. 
I don't even think you realized I definitely you did not do it on purpose. You doubled the really in exactly the same way you had doubled the names. It actually kind of flowed nicely. It worked. I'd like to say I can take credit for it then and did it intentionally, but I did not, did not. No, see, now you've ruined it. Now you took something that was funny and organic and you tried to make it funny and it made it less funny. everything. You don't ruin everything, but you ruined that. You ruined that, that. That's for sure. This is Greeny. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Live at the Seaport, brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. Listening to that um, little drop that we put together coming back out of the break, I'm particularly delighted that you did not try to be funny at all on Good Morning America Friday. Bubba, as you'll recall, that was my biggest fear. I think it was everyone's. Was that Hemba, who is the unfunniest person in the world, and if you didn't already know it, you just listened to that little exchange and you realize... His, his comedic instinct is so bad, I mean, so incredibly off so bad. that um, it, worked, it worked out very well, right? That he just sat there and he answered the questions and he smiled. He looked nice in his suit. I, mean, I, I he did a very good job. It worked out because I think if Strahan was somehow involved, he would not have been able to help himself and he would have snuck in some joke. So I think you, you were saved. By the fact that it wasn't straight. I agree. Michael was is on vacation. Robin, I guess, doesn't do Friday shows. So uh, we did not have either of the two of them. The woman who did our interview with us was terrific. She couldn't have been nicer. She couldn't have been more into it. You can always tell when you're being interviewed that the person is into it when they disregard the questions you've been told you're going to be asked. So Letterman would do this all the time. So when Mike and I first started going on Letterman, they had a producer named Brian Teta. T-E-T-A, great guy. He now uh, is the producer of The View. But he would always be the segment producer for us. He would handle our segments because <coughs> he's a big sports guy. And we would always do like a pre-interview. They, they would do theirs the day of. Like that, that morning we would get on a phone call with him and he would go through, these are the things that Dave might ask you, this, 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 and this. And at the end he would always say, but then again, in the end, he's David Letterman and he's just going to ask you whatever he wants to ask you. You never really know. And 99% of the time, he just went completely off what had been planned. And actually, I, being a host myself, I know what that means. I know that this is a conversation that is now interesting enough to me that I want to just partake in it rather than read from this list of questions that has been scripted by someone else. So I took that as a very good sign. So did I. And I'm always struck by the different things that people object to that we posited. So, for example, I didn't expect to be asked this question, but the way that we essentially prop up Wayne Gretzky in the book is that we consider him the greatest individual athlete in the history of North American team sports. Right. That wasn't a question of who deserves what number or another. It's not, oh, I wish you had chosen Mickey Mantle over John Elway. It was merely the way that we described him. So it's always interesting to me to hear what people might have to say about, you know, any number of things. But I was not expecting for that to be a primary takeaway. Actually, so my first thought was, wow, I can't believe how strongly people are reacting to this, to the Gretzky of it all. So it made me go back and read the way I wrote that. Again, the way this book worked was Hembo did the research, and it, it is exceptional. You will learn things in this book that you did not know, I promise. No matter how knowledgeable a sports fan you are, Chris Russo did, Bob Costas would. The, the most knowledgeable sports fans in the world will learn stuff from the extraordinary research. And then I wrote it, and the opening sentence, so this is not a spoiler alert, Gretzky is number 99. We decide who owns every number. If we didn't give Gretzky number 99, then I would have told you not to buy the book. <laughs> it's, it is a book that does not deserve to be read. Um, 
But the way I wrote it is pretty strong. I'm not sure I meant it to come out this strong. Hmm. But the opening sentence of his chapter is, Wayne Wayne Gretzky is the greatest athlete in the history of North American team sports. And then new paragraph, yes, he is. Mm. So I'm sort of speaking back to anyone whose reaction to my first sentence is, no, he's not. I then write, yes, he is. I then go on to explain. But what I will say is if you are perusing the book and that's all you read, that is a pretty strong statement I'm making. I don't know that I, I'm, I'm not unhappy I did it because I, I defend it. I, I stand by the comment. But that is, it might be written a little bit more strongly than I meant it to be. Maybe so, but I think we make a more, de, more than defensible case that he is. And part of the explanation we provided on GMA was, let's look at the other sports. In baseball, most people say that it's Babe Ruth, but some people might say it's Willie Mays. In basketball, most people say it's Michael Jordan, but you might think it's LeBron James or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? In football, most people think it's Tom Brady, but Jerry Rice and Jim Brown were probably better at their respective positions than Brady was. The difference between Gretzky and whoever you think might be number two on that list is a chasm. That is the only sport for which that applies. Wayne Gretzky would be the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NHL had he not scored a single goal right. if you just took his assist total. I mean, he's... His number is retired for being so great. No one can wear 99 because he was so great. I actually think it's defensible, even if it might be even stronger than you may have wanted it to be. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't apologize for it all. I, I just, when I, when I realized how much attention surrounding the book it was getting, I went back and reread it, uh. and now I get it. <laughs> so, so uh, look, again, that worked out well. I have no issue with it whatsoever. So um, we're going to throw open the phones to some questions on the book as we continue here because the numbers have turned into a debate. I'm, I'm driving around, and people from radio stations all over the country are calling me and saying, hey, we're in the middle of a debate about who you chose for this number. Can you pop on? And I'm doing them as best I can. Mike, uh, Michael Kay and Don LaGreca and Peter Rosenberg spent all of Friday debating a whole bunch of stuff on the book. And I, my, I, look, I'm endlessly thankful to them. And this is exactly what, this is what we dreamt of, that this book would turn into that, something people were reacting to. And I guess that is why it just sold out everywhere. And that is, you know, again, it is both a blessing and a curse. So what were you about to say there? I, I, I was going to say, when you talked to those guys last week, I know that the mantle Elway thing was a big deal for them. What else yes. stood out from callers? What else stood out from those guys in relation to what we chose? What was top of mind for them? That, that was a big one. Uh, you know, so, so again, I'm on in New York. I did two hours with those guys. Michael Kay is the voice of the Yankees. This is a New York-centric and Yankee-centric audience that you're dealing with. They were upset with four, and they were upset with seven. Mm. Because we, we left out two of the most beloved and important players in baseball history. And the argument they were making against me, we, we took Elway at seven based on his greatness as a player. The argument they were making to me is more people associate Mickey Mantle with the number seven than associate John Elway with that number, and I, I agree with that. That's true. Um, I mean, there was a, a legendary Seinfeld episode, Bubba certainly knows, in which George wanted to name his child seven mm. as an homage to his <laughs> favorite player ever. So I get that, and I'm all good with it. Um, but I felt that to leave out John Elway, this was just my opinion, and you've got to read the book to see our thinking behind it, would have been a greater miss 
than leaving out even Mantle, who might be the most beloved player ever. The Elway numbers are really loud and way better than I would have even expected. He, 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 to this day, is the only quarterback, aside from Tom Brady, to start five Super Bowls. And three of those, his teams had no business being in. Mantle retired as having had the third most home runs in history. Elway retired with the third most yards and touchdowns in history. Yeah, but here's George. Seven. <laughs> Seven Costanza. Seven Costanza for Mickey Mantle. All right, I'm going to throw the phone lines open here because so many people have been reacting to this on Twitter, sending us notes, asking questions, raising issues, whatever the case may be. The phones are open to you right now. 888-729-3776. You've got the two guys who made the decisions. You want to debate it? We're sitting right here. 888-SAY-ESPN. We will take your calls, your questions, your complaints. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny, with you here on ESPN Radio. Uh, delighted that you are with us. Again, Cam, you just decided you're going to play nothing but Beatles today, all day long, and have just stuck with it. And, and I will repeat. I'm not complaining. They're my favorite band of all time. But it is somewhat jarring, I think, listening to a radio show in 2023 and just hearing nothing but Beatles music and there not being any reason for it. It immediately feels like, oh, it must be, I don't know, Paul McCartney's birthday or, you know, the anniversary of this or that. Or, but nothing like that is happening. Not that I know of. Bubba is great at finding different anniversaries and stuff, so he's he's scouring the internet for a reason. But no, just felt it, felt like listening to some Beatles today. <laughs> well, sorry if that's jarring. No, I, I enjoy listening. I feel like listening to some Beatles too. And you know what I'll do is I'll do that when I'm not working. Like while well, I'm you not- get to do it while you're working today. I guess that's true. <laughs> I do love this song. Hembo, you don't even know this song, do you? I don't know this song. Okay, fair enough. Because- Could Hembo name all four Beatles? Could you name any of the four Beatles? Um, I don't think I can name them all. Go ahead. Do you want me to try? Yeah. What are we sitting here for? So I know that Paul McCartney sang for the Beatles because you just said him. Yes, he sang for the Beatles. 
I mean, I don't even know what. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yes, in the same way that Mike Trout hit cleanup for the Angels, Paul McCartney sang for the Beatles. He just sang for them. That was it. By the way, I have literally ever referred to it that way. The anniversary, perfect anniversary, on this day, April 10th, 1970, Paul McCartney announced he's leaving the Beatles. Oh, see, I knew. That's that's why we're doing it. So, again, Paul McCartney sang for the Beatles. That's one. He sang for them. I know that Ringo Starr plays the drums. Very good. He played the drums for them, yes. He drummed for them. He I, drummed for them. I, okay. I, don't, I definitely don't know all four. There's a, there's a last name of someone that I, I believe is Harrison. Yeah. And I think his name is Rex. Uh, no, 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 what? no. Rex, Rex Harrison, Harrison is an actor who was in, who you would know. Wasn't Rex Harrison like in, um, what is the, the, they made the music, My Fair Lady? Like that's who Rex that's Harrison who, oh, okay. was. Dating myself a little bit. Here. Okay, those are the only people you're that I missing. Know. The most you're missing famous, probably one. the most famous one. Oh, um, Lenin, John, John Lenin, <laughs> Lenin. Yes, the the one time ah, premier Lenin. of the Soviet Union, Lenin. Could I? You don't know his first name. You do not know Lenin. John Lenin. John Lenin. Yes, I know okay. I, John Lennon. He's and only I. one of the most famous people in the history of people. Um, <laughs> that's, that's like saying I, I, you should be impressed. I got three and a half of them right. No, I'm not impressed. B- being able to get three and a half of the Beatles right, and you really didn't. You didn't get John Lennon right, and you didn't get George Harrison right at all. eight names. You got six out of eight names. No, you did terribly, and I'm not impressed with any of that at all. But I will say this before I come to the phone calls here. Here's one thing I'd like to say, because, Bubba, you tell me what you think of this. Is this or is it not a reasonable analogy? So one of the things I've been saying about our book that I'm most proud of and most excited about is that it is sports history, is that people will learn the history of sports. I grew up reading sports books. That's why I know what I know about sports today. I loved reading books about sports history. And I don't feel like most, well, I don't feel like enough people today read sports history books. And that's why, while I think the debate is going to get most of the attention in this book, what I think really makes it special is the history. And again, I attribute 90% of that to Hembo. But so someone was saying to me, well, you know, you don't really have to know sports history to be a sports talk show host or to be a member of the sports media. Well, let me make an analogy. If you were listening to a political show and... The host of that show said, well, look, I don't really know much about FDR. He was president before my time. Like, that was before my time. I don't know much about Roosevelt. I don't know a whole lot about Kennedy. Like, wasn't he shot? Like, if if that's what they say, are you listening to their opinion on politics? Kennedy's dead, right? He died. Right? What's that? Say that again? They'd be like, Kennedy died, Kennedy. right? Is yeah, he the he one died, who got, right? was he the one who got shot? Am I, so, so, so what you have done is you've told me you don't know anything about what you're talking about. So why do we treat sports so differently? Why is someone allowed to say, well, look, I don't really know much about Jerry West. He was before my time. He was before my time, too. You're allowed to look it up. It's never been easier than it is right now to look it up on the internet. And if you want it all confined in one nice, easy place, it's in our book. But I've mentioned this a few different times, and I can tell the shows I'm on, sometimes people kind of get a little upset when I say it, Mm. because I think they fall in that category. Mm. They've probably themselves said out loud, well, look, I don't know a whole lot about Bart Starr. He was before my time. Well, you really can't have the appropriate perspective 
on the things that are happening in sports today if you don't know the things that have happened before. I'm not suggesting every single person has to know every single thing, but a basic working knowledge of the history of sports, I think, is absolutely necessary in order to be able to put what's happening in sports today in context. Is that fair or not? Yes, because a modern or current observation without context is not that meaningful. That's right. If, If the reason that Aaron Judge's 62 home runs last year was such a big deal was because of the magic of 61 and because of the magic of 60. And you didn't have to survive either of those events to understand the enormity of it. But if you don't have an appreciation for, for baseball history and the numbers by which we got here, then it wasn't that big of a deal to you. But the reason why Yankee Stadium was filled, and we talked about it every single day, was because we uh, understood the enormity of the achievement, of the accomplishment. That's just one example. But there are so many good no, that's examples a good one, in though. our book that's for a good which one. you'll say... I didn't know that, or that puts his career in better perspective. Yeah, because the history of that particular record is also so complicated. All right, so look, I have been seeing everywhere and getting phone calls from all over the country of people saying, I got an issue with this, I got an issue with that, I got an argument here, I got a problem with that. Greeny, they're killing you guys on this station because you chose this one over that one. We're sitting right here. Have at us. 888-SAY-ESPN. The book is called Got Your Number. Again, it is not easy to find right now. That's a problem, but we're dealing with it as best we can. If you need, if you want it, we beg you to please be interested. Uh, you can go to the top of my Twitter page, pinned to the top of my Twitter page. There is a link, and you can order. My understanding is they have books right now. In the meantime, Cam, who's first up? Greg in Minnesota. All right, Greg, let's go. What is your uh, any comment you want to make? It doesn't have to be an issue with us, but anything you got, we're sitting right here. What do you have for us, Greg? Okay, this is more of like an advertisement for the book. For your viewers, I got it yesterday morning on my birthday, best present ever. And here's the thing is you have to force yourself as a reader to not cheat, to not look ahead, because there's numbers that fascinate everyone, you know, individually. I'm curious about, you know, a different number. You know, you guys just brought it up. 61 fascinates me because I want to know the story that you and Hembo came up with that would be associated with 61, 62, all these numbers. But you have to force yourself not to look ahead. So, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, right. But that's what that's- <laughs> Thank you very much for the call and, and for saying that. We appreciate it. We, we, for that reason, we didn't put um, a table of contents at the beginning. We considered it. And we talked about putting the list at the beginning of the number so you could easily flip to the one you want. And then we decided that hopefully part of the intrigue of reading it would be finding out as we went who we did put. I will tell you Roger Maris does get number 61. um, And and, and Aaron Judge's 62 unfortunately couldn't be in the book. We had to submit the book before he he finished his season, well before. So that is not in the book solely because we could not do it. Um, Cam, who's next? Jimmy in Oregon. Jimmy in Oregon, go. What are your thoughts? Hey, uh, great. Uh, Mickey Mantle, that was one of the first uh, uh, names I knew when I was a little kid playing uh, Little League. But uh, the the numbers in baseball, though, they, they used to be by, you know, pitcher one, catcher two, first base three. So a lot of those numbers, they, they're not numbers uh, the guy would have chosen. It was just like given to him on the team. But uh, the Elway, I would still say Mickey Mantle uh, and the Elway. And then the other number, the 56 with uh, uh, Joe DiMaggio. I mean, I, I think that's great, you know. And I think that gets more play 
then this very same year, 41, uh, that season right before Pearl Harbor, was uh, Ted Williams. He was batting uh, .3995, and they had a doubleheader. And his, his manager asked him, do you want to sit down? You'll, they'll, they'll have to round it up to 400. He said, sit down. He ended up going four for five in the first game and two for three in the second game. Right. So six for eight, he raised his ad, average legendarily yeah and he's the last guy to hit 400 now that's great ted williams was a complicated one thank you very much for the call again i'm I'm looking for more for people who disagree mantle versus elway was one of the toughest calls that we had to make by the way on the numbers and how they were given out and we found this out in our research and this is something i did not know do you know why babe ruth wore the number three brandon do you know why babe ruth wore the number three he wore the number three because he batted third in the order that's how they decided. The numbers were given out literally that randomly. Hey, Ruth, you're hitting third. You're going to wear number three. Hey, Gehrig, you're hitting fourth. You're going to wear number four. That's how these things were decided at the time in the earliest days of giving out the numbers. I, I, I so enjoyed finding that stuff out as we went. Let's see if someone disagrees with us here. Cam, who you got? Mark in Missouri. All right, Mark, got your number. What do you think? Thank you, gentlemen, for taking my phone call. I appreciate it. listening to you all the time. But uh, I did what the one gentleman said he didn't want to do it as I skimmed through the book looking for a particular name, not a number. But I was looking for Jim Thorpe and what number you would attribute to him if you gave him a number. If he's in the book, I, if he's in the book, I miss him. So, no, thank you for the call. That was one of the toughest decisions we had to make. Was it 1912? What year was it that he... That, 1912 that his, his Olympics was 12, yeah. and then they took all his medals away, and there was all of that controversy. That was a very, very hard one. We couldn't give him 12 because 12 was obviously Brady. I've actually had people tell me that they don't, that they don't think it was such an easy choice to give Brady 12. Over who? Well, maybe these are very Jet-centric people, but the magnitude of Namath's win in Super Bowl three. Brady is the greatest player ever to wear number 12 or, and the most accomplished player ever to wear number 12 for all the great 12s that have been Bradshaw and Starback and Bob Greasy and uh, Ken Stabler and Jim Kelly and, and you know, now Rodgers and others. But that what, what, what Namath did changed the sport. The two most important football games ever played are the 1958 NFL Championship game and then what is now known as Super Bowl three in which the Jets beat the Colts January 12, 1969 in Miami. Um, and that ushered in the the era of what we now consider to be post-merger. That brought in the merger. That gave credibility to an American football league that people thought was a joke. It changed football. And they want to make an argument that Namath, especially because he guaranteed the win and all the rest of that, deserved that number for the magnitude of the win despite the greatness of Brady's career. I mean, I get the argument, but like if there was anyone in the world that would, would, would emotionally feel that way and want to justify putting him in a book, theoretically it would be you. Right. And you cast that aside. I never even, we never even talked about no. it. No. No. 12 was a number that we never even talked about. 12 was what kicked off the idea for the book, but we never even talked. Right, we're going to run out of time. Thank you for the call. There's just so much going on here. Like this has been such an incredible experience for me. I, I never did a sports book before, and so I really didn't know what to expect from this. And for it to blow up the way it is blown up, I mean, at one point, you know, there's 8 million books on Amazon.com. And at one point, we looked down, and our book was number four. That's a ridiculous <laughs> thing to have happen. I mean, it's not supposed to happen. We were behind, like, a bunch of Easter Bunny books. 
It was like everybody buying their kids uh, like Easter Bunny books and then got your number, this little sports book written by these two dopes from ESPN. So that was really exciting. At any rate, um, so there are, as you may have discovered, because I feel your frustration, we have heard all of the tweets and all of that, um, that the book is right now not so easy to get because everywhere has sold out. If you go to my Twitter page one more time, at ESPN Greeny, at the top, pinned to the top, you will see a link. That link is still working to the best of my knowledge. There are still books available there. If they run out, I will find another place as best I can. But thank you, thank you, thank you for turning this into what it's become because it has been really fun for us. All right, we will see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow. Same time, same place, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.